Hello, and welcome to the Voice of Democracy. I am Bruce Carter. In this podcast, you will hear intriguing and thoughtful interviews as well as actual tips and strategies that can be implemented at the institution, health and wellness, and education. Our podcast is not about name recognition or being famous. Everyone has untapped potential. In today's fast-changing landscape, demands nation leaders who can quickly adapt, build trust, and deliver value. Through people and technology, we're listening, providing insight on tough political and business challenges, including talent, transformation, geopolitical conflicts, pandemics, and social injustice. In this podcast series, Voices of Democracy offers insights to help you tackle today's challenges and prepare for tomorrow. Through social change, we will be the voice of democracy, American promise, global mission. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now let's jump to your daily dose of Voice of Democracy. Today's highlight will focus on what does Brex mean for the U.S.? Before we do that, I would like to kind of give some context on what is Brex and when was it established. Brex is an acronym denoting the emerging national economies of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. The term was originally coined in 2001 as a break by the Goldman Sachs economist Jim O'Neill in his report, Building Better Global Economic Breaks. The leader of the so-called BRICS, as I just mentioned, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, they gathered in Johannesburg in August 22, 2023, in what was likely to be a pivotal meeting for the bloc trajectory. Russian President Vladimir Putin did not attend due to an international criminal court warrant, but Moscow and Beijing will be pushing for the group's expansion in a bid to strengthen the bloc as an alternative to the U.S.-led liberal international order. Over 40 countries have applied to join, but there is division within the five members. Brazil and India fear that expansion will dilute their influence and impact their non-aligned foreign policies. China and Russia, on the other hand, would like to position BRICS as a counterweight to the group of G7 and other Western-led alignments. Although not formally on the was on the summit agenda, um, de-dollarization was a priority issue for many BRICS countries and dozens of other states in attendance. Some have suggested that BRICS establish its own currency to carve dependence on the U.S. dollar, but most observers see that as a unviable. What is more likely is that BRICS countries and other partners will continue to trend on trading in their own local currency instead of using the dollar. The BRICS bank already lends in Chinese yuan and announced yesterday that it would also do so in the South African and Brazil currencies. Why was BRICS summit important to geopolitical trends? Well, some experts around the world had their eyes on BRICS summit in Johannesburg in part because together the BRICS nations encompass a population of 3.5 billion accounting for a substantial segment of global emerging markets. Originally, the countries came together as a grouping in the late 2000s, as I mentioned previously, to a colossus around issues of finance, development, and trade. However, the bloc has, has now grown to symbolize one side of the ledger in world of better strategic rivalry and growing multipolarities. So, for instance, the G7 advanced economies, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, United Kingdom, and United States, and the European Union are on the opposing side. Although Brazil has taken issue with this anti-Western framing, great attention to the BRICS around the world has helped China and Russia rhetorical campaign to pin the West against the rest. 
With Russia's illegal war and aggression raging in Ukraine and escalating tensions between China and the United States, countries are increasingly called to take positions siding with one camp or the other. This is not, however, a repeat of the Cold War. So-called middle powers have a much greater share of overall global influence in today's international politics. The BRICS are often seen as a key space of such powers, particularly non-Western states in the global south. BRICS expansion was of the big themes of the summit, as some expert um, alluded to. As mentioned earlier, over 40 countries have requested to join BRICS, with membership countries are unlikely to enjoy a special relationship with the members of the New Development Bank, which was founded by the BRICS nations and provides finance, financing for many states searching for alternatives to the Western-dominant Paris Club. Additionally, many prospective members are hoping to have influence with a rising coalition of non-Western states with the ambition to reshape the global order. For almost 80 years, a conventional pathway for effective change and progress in the international system was through the multilateral institution themselves. Today, however, we are seeing a new wave of minilateralism, a style of diplomatic engagement that gives promises to small and medium-sized coalitions of like-minded states. This trend, which is on the rise in the West as well, would be exacerbated by the expansion of BRICS. One problem with the minilateralism is that it threatens to further erode or means of global collective action needed to tackle the massive threats posed to humanity today. As extreme weather events took place recently, like down in Florida, highlight the critical imbalance between economic concerns and a pressing need for energy transition to address climate change. But climate change is just one of the many pressing issues. The rise of disruptive technologies, especially the widespread adoption of groundbreaking weapons technologies like bioweapons by non-state entities, is particularly alarming. The popularity of Oppenheimer, the film, should remind us all of these pre-prenatal nuclear threats, now increased by precarious state of nuclear arms control. Additionally, the ongoing challenges of diseases like COVID-19 underscore the ever the ever present risk of lethal pandemics. These represent just a fraction of existential danger that mandate global collaboration. And the world fragments into an antagonistic small to medium blocks, our collective ability to address these threats might be compromised. The debate over Brexit expansion reveals how divided the block really is. It also demonstrates structural issues that make the development of common currency unlikely. As the U.S.-China competition has ramped up over the last decade, Beijing has increasingly sought to position itself as a leader of emerging multipolar world. In Global Security Initiative, launched last year by Chinese leader Xi Jinping, is an attempt to fashion a new global security order that Beijing says is more capable of addressing intractable peace and conflict challenges than the Western-led system. With BRICS already accounting for 40% of the world's population and a quarter of global GDP, adding to the block means that BRICS would be stronger and more influential group for the advancing multipolarity. For its past, Moscow is also keen on advancing a multipolar world and see BRICS expansion as a way to undermine the lateral international order.
isolated by the West following its illegal invasion of Ukraine, Russia has looked to Global South to help keep its economy afloat. So a bigger BRICS help insulate Moscow from Western sanctions. And the upper realm and to the attendance of dozen countries at the summit would be seen by Moscow as a positive signal regarding its international standings. South Africa has also been a proponent of BRICS expansion. South Africa president stated that he wants to see more African countries join, partner with the bloc, and and be invited over. And he has stated he invited over 30 leaders to participate in further summits. India and Brazil see it as a bit see it as a bit different. Although the seventh largest country in the world in population, Brazil does not have the diplomatic weight of Russia or China and believes that BRICS expansion would diminish its influence in the bloc and as a leader in the global south. India is wary of the bloc becoming overtly anti-Western in orientation. One of the founding nations of the non-aligned movement during the Cold War, India carried this legacy on a, amid today's great power competition. While it has a member of the BRICS grouping in the China and Russia founded Shanghai Corporation Organization. New Delhi relationship with the United States has reached a new height in recent years and it is a member of the Quad along with Japan, Australia, United States. A not so subtle effort to compete with China in the Indo-Pacific, indeed countering Chinese aggression and influence in India's backyard is the bedrock of the US India Corporation according to some experts. U.S. incorporation, according to some experts, over 40 countries, including Iran, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Argentina, Indonesia, Niger, and Ethiopia, have applied to join. Many of these middle powers are also frustrated by the liberal international order and chafe at what they perceive as a U.S. hegemony, with the U.S. and Western sanctions height on the list of been irate. For them, BRICS present alternative. Some straightforward way does this mission of any, of any of these countries would impact BRICS. It is its decision making. BRICS operates a consensus. Adding more members means that consensus will be more difficult to reach. As each country has its own interests, priorities, and relationships. What countries join could also be a critical in the trajectory of the BRICS, will it involve in a type of anti-Western bloc China and Russia seek? Iran, for example, would be more than happy to follow China's and Russia lead in advancing an alternative to the U.S.-led order. But a country like Saudi Arabia, despite many troubles in the relationship with Washington, is likely less inclined to, toward such an orientation as it prizes its security ties with the United States. Why does this matter for the United States? Well, in strategizing for short, medium, and long-term national security concerns, the United States must closely monitor the BRICS evolution. While the ever-expanding competition with China will remain essential to the U.S. foreign policy, understanding the growing relative influence and potential choke points maintained by the other key powers is also critical. Fostering robust engagement with friends like India and South Africa is paramount. Even as the latter shows a closer affiliation with Russia, 
such partnerships can serve as a counterbalance, ensuring that BRICS trajectory does not veer toward an anti-Western alignment. However, this shouldn't tempt Washington to excessively lean into a minilateral diplomacy at the determinant of multilateral efforts. Engaging even with adversaries is large in a large platform is imperative to a collaborative address the momentumly challenges of our era. The break summit comes surrounding a tumultuous, almost intertopic period in international politics. Intensifying U.S.-China competition and Russia's illegal war on Ukraine have insinuated geopolitical trend lines. If there is a big takeaway from Washington, it should be that many countries, including traditional partners, are frustrated by the, the liberal international order and unsatisfied with a post-Cold War unipopularity. The most Cold War, excuse me, the post-Cold War II system the United States designed and led has has seen one of the most enduring periods of global peace and prosperity in modern history, but nothing lasts forever. The United States could take these concerns seriously and consider how to remake or at least amend the current multilateral order to address these frustrations and concerns, working with allies and partners to tackle the major challenges of the day. If not, other powers will step in, likely in ways that do not advance U.S. interests. So since I focus on the BRICS and its agenda at the August summit, I'm going to look at some other comments and experts' analysis on does BRICS really oppose a threat to the U.S.? So as as I already went over um, two weeks ago, the BRICS announced that Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and United Emirates would join the alliance in 2024. This came out of the August, uh, the, the, this past month summit um, out of Johannesburg. <laughs> Um, this, despite the widespread enthusiasm in the anti-Western circles, the soon-to-be 11-member economic bloc is partnership of convenience. It is not long-term alliance nor a strategic threat to the United States, some experts says. The criteria to join the BRICS, some experts say, are, are vague. There is no charter, no fixed secretarial, not even a functional website. Its ideology incoherence, characterized by issues ranging from internal conflicts of interest to divergent international perspectives, will pose complex challenges to the bloc for foreseeable future. Experts mention countries like Argentina and Egypt are locked in endless economic crisis. Both countries are fundamentally bankrupt due to the incompetent management of the Argentina and Egyptian governments. They remain heavily indebted to their international creditors namely institutions set up by the United States. As the two biggest debtors to the International Monetary Fund, their joint interest in joining the BRICS is to balance their dependence on the, on the West by shifting their financial burdens onto the shoulders of other potential creditors. While Beijing is likely to take advantage of Argentina and Egypt divulge currencies to, to, to purchase assets as bargain prices and increase the number of transactions Concluded in the in the one rather than a dollar. Buenos Aires and Cairo benefit from increased foreign direct investment and renewed access to foreign currencies. Ethiopia was ravaged by the Tigro War, that devastation and aggravated by drought and famine in the north 
of the country. Although Ethiopia has experienced exponential economic growth, as mentioned in this piece, uh, crisis is exacerbated by historical capital flight. Some experts estimate that Ethiopia registered at least 45 billion capital outflows over the last decade. Expert emphasizes that this sum exceeds the total amount over the previous 44-year period. While Saudi Arabia and the United Arab, United Arab Emirates provided invaluable security assistance to Ethiopia government during the civil war, the largest volume of foreign direct investment in Ethiopia now comes from China. Consolidating all these relationships by joining the BRICS is a low-hanging fruit rather than a dip diplomatic power play, according to some experts. Iran is sanctioned by the United States, experts have, have, have said, and as we all have seen um, from the policy, like Moscow and Pyongyang, Tehran now finds itself caught in Beijing's grasp. Despite the diplomatic um, um, reapproachment broken brokered by China, the greatest national security th threat to Saudi Arabia and the United Arab, United Arab Emirates is still Iran. Tehran supports several terrorist groups in the Middle East. It has enriched uranium up to at least 60%, 20 times more than the allowable amount under the, the now defunct JCPOA. While Iran has previously launched drone strikes against both its neighbors, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps continues to hijack ships in the Strait of Hormuz and engage in hostage diplomacy. To fan the flames, several unresolved territory disputes remain in the Persian Gulf region, including the Abu Mus Island, impasse between Tehran and Abu, Abu Dhabi. By joining the BRICS, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates balanced their dependence on Washington for security with the economic relationship with Beijing and Delhi. It also provides them with an additional form for diplomacy with Tehran should the need rise. China, along with Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, are three of India's top five economic partners. Nevertheless, Delhi and Beijing remains at odds on a multitude of issues. Despite concerns about America on China's side and Pakistan on, on India's, Delhi and Beijing are undoubtedly each other's greatest long-term geopolitical threat. Before the end of the 21st century, China and India will both be major powers that share a border longer than 3,400 kilometers. Without dividing into the details of their long-standing border dispute, climate change, which exacerbates water scarcity and food insecurity, will be the only source of tension for these two countries. Their political systems are also incapable. China and Russia do not benefit from the democratic peace. This increases, this increases the likelihood of large-scale military conflict over time. For these reasons and others, India balance its dependence on Russia armaments and its economic relationship with China by being a member of the Quad, a security forum with Australia, Japan, and the United States. Unlike the BRICS, Western institutions led by Washington are united by core values like democracy. NATO, the pillar of the West, is the most successful international organization in history. Despite its critics, this shield has successfully protected North America and European democracy since the end of World War II. In fact, no revisionist state has attempted to use military force to violate the territorial integrity of NATO member states for nearly eight decades. 
Unfortunately, the same cannot be said for other Eurasian countries outside the alliance, such as Cyprus, Georgia, Moldova, and Ukraine. NATO's success is replicated by other Western institutions, which include political establishments like the European Union, diplomatic forums such as the G7, a long list of free trade agreements, and security pacts between the United States and Japan, Washington, Seoul, and Australia, United Kingdom, and the United States. The risk of so-called de-dollarization poses by the BRICS is over-exaggerated. Bearing a global catalysm such as a radical change would not happen overnight. In fact, some experts believe the United States is the only country with the economic big enough and a currency and banking system stable enough to guarantee international transactions. China, on alternative, maintains strict capital control, which favors its export led economy growth but, but strangles cross-border payments. It's important to highlight that capital does not only look for markets it, in, and investors do not only seek to make profits, they seek among other things the rule of law, protection, and intellectual property rights. A stable currency, a sound banking system, limits on state intervention and political stability. Unlike Beijing, Washington fulfilled all these criteria with flying colors. The United States has another advantage over the BRICS. It remains a magnet for attracting foreign talent. Unidirectional migration flows from the BRICS to America illustrate this best. This provides the United States with the endless pool of talent ranging from low-skilled labor to highly trained segments of the workforce. Consider four of the ten biggest American companies in terms of market capitalization, Microsoft, Google, Tesla, and NVIDIA. Each of these has either founders or CEOs who were born abroad, including in the BRICS, were educated in America, settled down in the United States, and proudly acquired American citizenship. This phenomenon won't change anytime soon, according to some experts. The United States, a free, prosperous, and opportunity-filled country, will continue to poach and attract the cream delay from around the world for years to come. As it stands, the BRICS has no credible alternative to American dream. Military premises aside, the United States is still an economic powerhouse. For instance, California with a population of 40 million has a GDP equal to India's with less than 3% of its population. Having already exceeded the GDP of France and the United Kingdom, the Golden State. The Golden State is poised to overtake Germany to become the world's fourth largest, largest economy. Unless Delhi beats it to the punch, despite the enormous disparity between their respective populations, Texas has, a, has an economic way comparable to that of Brazil or Russia. More surprisingly, New York City has a GDP greater than that of Saudi Arabia, three times that of the United Arab Emirates, four times that of South Africa, and at least ten times that of Ethiopia. Likewise, Florida's economy, economy is three times that of either Iran or Egypt. Finally, the states of Illinois, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Georgia, New Jersey, North Carolina, Washington, and Massachusetts all have economies larger than Argentina. The BRICS is a house of cards, according to some experts, not a strategic threat to the United States. Even if the bloc succeeds in expanding China's economic and projecting Chinese power in the short term, the BRICS is still plagued 
by divergent interests and internal tensions that have doomed it to failure. While Beijing, while Beijing is just learning how to build long-lasting alliances, Washington has centuries worth of experience in spearheading and managing complicated but mutually beneficial bilateral and multilateral partnerships. Given NATO's rejuvenation, the global coalition in support of Ukraine, the emergence of Australia, United Kingdom, and U.S., the trilateral summit between America, Japan, and Korea, and the looming Saudi-Israel peace agreement, U.S.-led initiatives will remain indispensable for global diplomacy and security long into the future. The risk of being threatened, let alone replaced, will probably be slim to none, according to some experts. As we wrap up, latest news, the Biden administration will designate nearly a million acres of land near the Grand Canyon as a national monument to protect, its, protect it from uranium mining. The EPA wants to remove the recycling symbol from the, from the hard to recycle plastics. The man who invented the icon agrees. Metaloma causes more than 9,000 deaths per year in the U.S., according to the Center of Disease Control and Prevention. CDC data also show rates of male mortality for melanoma of all races are more than double that of females of all races. The U.S. charged two Navy sailors with passing military secrets to China. Texas A&M will pay $1 million in a settlement with a black professor. The school asked her to run its journalism program and then changed their offer because of a conservative backlash. Six former officers pleaded guilty in an assault on two black men in Mississippi. They, they stripped and beat the men and subjected one to a mock execution, prose prosecutor said. A close calls. The U.S. has not had a fatal plane crash involving commercial airlines in more than 14 years, thank God. An incredible safety achievement. But the elaborate system that keeps planes from crashing is struggling. A lot of this due to um, personnel shortages. Internationally, Japan intends to begin discharging over a million tons of radioactive wastewater into the ocean, this, um, I think, last month. The plan complicates its um, nonsense friendship with South Korea. Other big stories. Gen G is using lawsuits and TikTok videos to push for lower emissions. Parts of the Midwest are enduring a heat wave, as we have all seen on national news and local news. A one-year-old girl died after she was left in a daycare center's van and temperatures outside reached 98 degrees. Also, did you know on this day, on September 8, 1957, Aletha Gibson becomes the first African-American to win the U.S. Open tennis title? On September 8, 1966, the first episode of the sci-fi series Star Trek aired on American television. On October 8, 1974, President Ford pardoned President Nixon. Outposts. This podcast is brought to you by the People First Consultant Forces Democracy. For more information about People First Consultant Forces Democracy, please visit our website at www.pfcworks.com American Promise Global Mission Thank you for tuning in and listening today Until next time, please be safe Stay informed 
and live well.